0: Seven, six, five, four. Command engine start. Two, one. Shepard cleared the tower.
1: And New Shepard has cleared the tower on our way to space of our first human. Being. Last month, Amazon CEO and billionaire Jeff Bezos went to space. His company Blue Origin followed through with the mission days after fellow billionaire Richard Branson also went into orbit with his commercial space company Virgin Galactic. Along with Tesla founder and CEO Elon Musk's SpaceX, a new space race has emerged, this time amongst private companies, not countries. Space has always been a frontier for innovation. But what has been achieved so far by the growing privatisation of the space industry? What risks are there? And could this finally be Australia's way to make it to space? You're listening to Think Digital Futures. I'm Sophia Tarek. Well, the first thing
2: that, The so-called New Space era, for me, it is really characterised by some of the immensely wealthy people, the likes of Jeff Bezos with Blue Origin, Elon Musk with SpaceX, um, uh, Richard Branson with Virgin Galactic, Uh, although in the case of Virgin Galactic, it's been not so much Richard Branson's personal wealth as the brand of the Virgin Group. But in the other cases, it was immensely rich people pursuing their own dream of their own vision for space exploration and development or settlement.
1: Kirby Iken is the chairman of the National Space Society based in Washington, D.C. and the National Space Society of Australia.
2: And so they've come in and they've been pursuing those particular dreams, but without, even though they're doing it commercially, they're doing it without the commercial... Pressure that a normal commercial company would have reporting to shareholders who want to see returns, etc. So they can take an extremely long-term view, um, and they can make decisions that most companies couldn't do. So that really allowed uh, new types of developments to take place, new technologies to be explored. Um, with SpaceX, you've got the reusable launch vehicle technology. Um, Blue Origin. You know, they're, they're pursuing a particular vision for um, mass transportation and, and people living in space. Um, of course, uh, Virgin Galactic with their technologies for space tourism, um, which has elicited a fair amount of uh, commentary recently.
1: Ivor Kearns is a professor of space physics at the University of Sydney and director of QUAVA which is an ARC training centre for CubeSats, unmanned aerial vehicles, and their applications. He recently had a mini-satellite, also known as a CubeSat, he made go into space.
3: It's about 30 centimetres tall by 10 by 10. Uh, It looks a little bit like a rectangular robot to some extent, especially when it has its antennas uh, coming out uh, or, or deployed. Um, sort of a bit like braids of hair, you might say. Um, it's got black and white panels on it. It's, but but it's, it's a serious uh, satellite. Um, it is really quite capable. Um, it, it carries two technology demonstrators and uh, four scientific slash engineering payloads. Um, all of them are... Um, state-of-the-art and or um, commercially interesting.
1: Ivor's satellite, the Quava-1, was launched with the help of SpaceX on their most recent resupply mission to the International Space Station, which was contracted by NASA. SpaceX is best known for the Falcon 9, which is a reusable rocket that has flown more than a hundred times since 2016.
3: SpaceX has managed to push rocket launch into space, commercial especially, you know, ahead hugely compared with what was there before. And they've done that both by reducing the price substantially. I mean, you're talking factors of two or three, I believe, if not more, um, compared with, for instance, United Launch Alliance, Um, um, so you know price, and then there's the technology. I mean, you've probably seen these um, uh, the uh, strap-on boosters or the first stage from the from uh, SpaceX coming down independently and landing on a barge, like ha- as what happened uh, yesterday for our our rocket. Um, you know that no one else has been able to do that. They've solved those problems beautifully. So they've. You know, that they've progressed hugely compared with what I understand that NASA was able to do and compared with many other uh, corporations. So and it does show the benefits that you know, a good corporation can really, if they see the commercial need, they can go and develop things that are, you know, really competitive, much better than competitive compared with their peers. Um, so that's a real positive.
1: This new technology of being able to launch rockets and then bring them back down to reuse has made the business of space cheaper, leading to more competition.
3: My previous rocket launch um, from the Cape was, a, was a, um, an Atlas V, and it was carrying the, uh, the QB50 CubeSats, so European uh, 50 CubeSat project called QB50. And it had our Inspire 2 and UNSW Eco satellites on it. Um, And Elon Musk had, and SpaceX had two weeks before, uh, for the first time successfully landed the booster rockets back on the ground. And suddenly the Atlas V people, who I think is Northrop Grumman, uh, were saying, we're gonna spend time now investigating how to bring our boosters back in safely as well and reuse them and reduce the cost. So it can stimulate the existing competition to become better as well. And I think that's that's a good thing uh, for everyone. Um, So it is stimulating as well uh, to the uh, existing sector.
1: While the privatisation of space technology is not new, growing competition has led to more difficulties in the industry.
3: You know, some of the negatives, well, one of them is is some, what's been in the news recently with Jeff Bezos' um, company, which is called Blue Origin, um, suing uh, NASA and SpaceX for a launch contract because, you know, in their opinion, they weren't. Their proposal wasn't treated equitably, and at one level, you look at that and say, "Well, it is really important that a uh, a selection process be honest and transparent, and you know, pick the one that is considered by the panel to be the best one." Uh, now. Other people might disagree with the panel, but if the panel's doing the best they can, that's what the decision is. Um, So, you know, just suing, well, I shouldn't mischaracterize it, but um, you know, that sort of lawsuit can be very negative because, you know, sometimes a large company will sue a smaller rival that has better technology and a better product to make them bankrupt. I'm not suggesting that's necessarily what Blue Origin's is doing, but it's one of the risks there, you know, misuse of the, um, you know, the
1: commercial and legal playing field. Industry professionals have also been questioning if it is appropriate that companies are leading the way rather than countries. The issue
3: there is that I see is that there's a UN treaty, the so-called COPUS Treaty, Peaceful Uses of the of Outer Space Treaty and as you probably know it's the nation states that are the signatories if they've signed it and australia is a signatory, the united states i think russia uh, i think china and very you know many others um and the thing and there's also a liability convention that's associated with that um, and so from that point of view a nation state ought to regulate their space companies Uh, because they want to be able to weigh up the risks of the company operating in space. Um, And then I guess there's also a related issue, um, you know, who do you trust? Um, Private companies can be very caring and thoughtful of society and of their customers, but they're not all very careful uh, or caring, you know, so the scientific you've got scientific um, uh, concerns, you've got commercial concerns, you've got uh, legal or um, governmental concerns, and all of those need to be, you know, carefully considered. And And I think that's a real risk that when you have when you allow uh, large uh, commercial companies uh, to To have independence, you know, total independence in space, uh, I think would be a very bad thing.
1: But with space travel becoming easier and cheaper, countries that were once locked out of space exploration have now gotten the chance to grow their own space industry. Australia is one of these countries stepping out into space, having created the Australian Space Agency in 2018.
3: It used to be said that... Space was just too expensive for Australia, and, um, and we've we being you know the CubeSat community in Australia, we've shown that um, that we've broken the uh, economic barrier and the technical barriers to Australia getting into space, and we're doing that using CubeSats. Um, they're smaller, they're cheaper, they're um, usually faster to make. Um, and they can be packed full of technology and experiments and, you know, commercially relevant equipment. Uh, And they're the way for us at least to make our first sets of steps uh, into space. Um, And it's... So the government now accepts, and I think the people of Australia now accept, we can do it, and we can do it this way, and we should do it.
1: Anna Moore, director of the ANU Institute for Space, agrees and believes that space becoming more commercially viable will help other industries in Australia.
4: Industry has jumped on board, honestly. Um, that's, that's what I've seen. Um, I think industry is being quick to see um, uh, um, the plethora of opportunities that, that we have. So we're seeing small companies um, opening up services in, in comms in, in broadband, in um, in how you how you do wireless fencing, in Internet of Things, um, we're seeing companies doing uh, work in climate change, like uh, you know how how do we monitor methane um, emissions, for example, but but doing that as a business, you know, charging for that sort of information um, to people who really want to see it so i think um uh we've we've seen industry globally really just jumping on this opportunity just in the last few years even it's meant that um smaller industries in, even individuals people institutions um all of a sudden space itself can be used as part of your business plan you know and that that was never possible before because it was too expensive And so that's why we're seeing the nature of space has changed, who's accessing it, how much is going up into space and what we're using space for, which is often to help us do things better on the ground.
1: One of the people using space as a way to help others on Earth is Joshua Chow, a senior lecturer at UTS's School of Biomedical Engineering, and the Australian Space Awards Researcher of the Year for 2020.
4: That was
0: one of the missions, you know, we're sending, you know, cancer cells into space because we've uncovered that, you know, in, well, I guess in our laboratory, um, how we can use, you know, microgravity to disrupt their function and mechanism. So we've identified, you know, a number of associated pathway in which we can manipulate cancer cells. So, you know, the mission to space is really to confirm those findings, and we expect that there will be other things that we are not able to discover while here on Earth. So, you know, the mission is really to, you know, see what else can be done or what else can be discovered in hope of, you know, developing new paradigm or, you know, drug treatment or strategies in combating different cancers here on Earth. So, as you can imagine, Covid obviously disrupted a lot of plans um and I think um SpaceX is kind of picking up the speed now in terms of um these different payloads um so we are anticipating to be able to launch um in the in the next flight, hopefully um so we're waiting for confirmation um but yeah what happens is you know our collaborators in the u s will be able to you know put those cells uh, deliver them to the launch site. Um, and, of course, that will go up um, to the ISS.
1: Joshua too believes that increasing investment into space will help fuel other research and technology.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As everyone's aware, you know, the, I guess the space economy has really been booming um, in the last couple of years. And as you mentioned, you know, a lot of privatization. Um, and, and that has really opened up a lot of opportunities um, in, in terms of, you know, startups or SMEs and um, to get connected and be part of that, you know, space supply chain. Um, So I'm part of the Australian Space Agency's um, Space Medicine Life Science Committee. Um, So, you know, for example, we identify opportunities um, in the area of health and biology um, in the context of Australia. And we we see a lot of opportunities in terms of, you know, not only new startups to be part of that, but also existing companies and, you know, technologies that can be implemented in space. I think one of the most exciting things about, you know, space healthcare and research is that a lot of the technologies that we already have can be translated into space and vice versa. What we develop in space um, can be translated in how we do or manage um, healthcare um, down here on Earth. And a classic example these days is obviously, you know, telehealth, remote health management and whatnot. Um, Those definitely have, uh, you know, significant implications for, you know, space health, um, and you know further development because it's pretty much up <laughs> rather than you know into running into another state.
1: Iva and Anna agree and note that the economic growth rate of the space industry is higher than most other industries.
3: I expect to see many more satellites in orbit um, doing many different things. You know, some of them are going to be communications and internet. Um, because that way, you, if you, if you have, you know, really effective um, communication systems in space, they can reach over the, you know, over an orbit. They can reach many parts of the Earth, and do it very cost-effectively. Whereas if you have to build, you know, like copper wire, for instance, crazy idea, but anyway, copper wire or um, uh, internet fiber to every place in Australia. that's really very expensive it's relatively cheap if you just do it for the cities but what about for the others who are you know other people who are more um, a little bit further away or more dispersed so i think that that you know internet from space is going to become more and more of a deal Uh, i think that um, imaging and exploitation of those imaging data are going to become even more important Um, gps and Um, Global navigation, uh, system of systems, things, um, it's only going to come
4: more. I think, you know, pardon the pun, sky's the limit, really. It's, It's up to us how much we want to dream.
1: Think Digital Futures is made possible with the support of 2 Radio, the University of Technology, Sydney, and is heard around Australia on the community radio network. Think Digital Futures is made in Sydney, which sits on the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Digital Futures wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sophia Tarek. Thank you for listening.